0: Right. good morning, good morning, so we as a, as a, uh, as a species, as humans, we, we like to make things complicated, we like to make things complicated, if we, um, Peter, if you put up the first slide, anyone got any idea what these items are, anyone want to hazard a guess? Avocado, Yeah, an avocado hugger, why do we need a hugger for avocados? What? Well, what about the, the the middle one? Anyone for the middle one? The the blue. They they they're basically um, jam jam jar grippers. You know you, you know you could just get a tea towel, but instead you can get a bit of plastic to help you open some jars. Now now that that is a specific slicer for lemons. Why do you need? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. And it, that, that top one, with the... the any idea? This, this, is, this is the wackiest, just most useless... They look, they look like headphones, don't they? Do you know what that is? Those, those clip they are napkin clips. So you put it round your neck, and you basically clip your napkin to them so they, it doesn't fall down and it's nice and secure. Now is a- anyone going to be honest and put their hand up if they've got any of these items in their in their home? But we we like we over-engineered stuff. You know, when 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 me and Lisa were uh, we were expecting Noah, our, our first our first child, we did the. Um, we did, the, we did everything that you would expect. You know, we read books and we, we got apps and websites and tried to gather all the information we could about how best to look after our newborn son. But when I think back to it, it's not very complicated, really. There, there's only three things you've really got to think about for a newborn. You know, feed him when he's hungry, change his nappy when it's dirty, and just do your best not to drop him. Like that's literally the only that you know. We read all these books, and there's there's a whole industry around you know, you know, um, the best things to do for your baby. But it, in in reality, it is you know, especially for a newborn, it's fairly simple. And we do the same in church as well, and and Christianity. You know, we. We create and can make it quite complex in terms of the way we do church and our practices and our traditions and the language we use. You know, we we can create. We've created a whole language around Christianity and a whole study of it around theology. And you know, I love theology. I studied it, the study of God. And it's something that as a Christian we should all engage with. We should all have a good, as it says in the Bible, a good reason for our faith. But it can make it overcomplicated. It can bring confusion. And what we see in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus time and time again bringing simplicity in the way that he. Uh, communicated sometimes complex ideas. He used real-life examples. He used stories and parables to really, in the, in, in, in the most effective way, bring a fantastic message of love and of grace in a simple and engaging way. And there's a, we're going to look at a, a short passage in the Bible, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, that really illustrates this simplicity that Jesus had. So, the next, the next uh, uh, verses will come up. So, this is Matthew 16. You can find it in, in, in your Bibles, and it's, it's right up here, as, as you can see. So, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In those seven words, who do you say I am. Jesus has just asked the most important question that has ever and will ever be asked. It is the core, the foundation of life itself. It can't be overstated just how important this Question is: Who do you say Jesus is? Over many many years, people have come up with different answers to this question. You might be actually sitting here saying, "Well, why do I need to answer that question? He probably did. He even exist. He's a myth. He's a legend." Well, there's, there's, more, there's more evidence that he existed than Cleopatra, than, than Julius Caesar. There's no, there's no historical scholar worth his or her salt that actually queries and that can credibly question the existence of this man, Jesus. And over centuries, people have come up with different answers to that question. Who do you say? Jesus is. Many people have said he's a great moral teacher, a wise man, a powerful speaker. He was a, a social activist. He was you know, a compassionate guy who, who wanted to ensure that there were, you know, people weren't in poverty, people weren't suffering. He was a, a revolutionary trying to you know, bring uh, an overthrow of, of, of the Roman government of the time. Some people say he was a con man. All he was interested in was building up his own status, his own power, his own ego, to bring up a following, to serve his own, uh, to serve his own um, ideals and, uh, and issues. Some say he's a madman, a lunatic. He wasn't right in the head claiming the things that he claimed and saying the things that he did. And others say, well, he's a legend. There, there was a historical man named Jesus, but the Jesus that we read about in the Bible and in the Gospels is, is overhyped, is exaggerated, uh, and like, a, like a legendary warrior or a legendary king. But it's, it's, it, we can't escape the fact that the people... That knew him the best. Like Simon Peter, who was one of the disciples, gave that answer. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. At the time that Jesus asked this, they had been walking together, living together, eating together for just over two years. What, what must Jesus have done? What impact must he had had on Simon Peter for him to respond in that way? For him to come to that conclusion that you are the Messiah, the Saviour, the Son of the living God? As he had walked with Jesus, seeing the way that he talked to people, the way that he loved people, People, the way that he came alongside those people that other other society had rejected, the way the wisdom that Jesus taught, the miracles that he performed, all of this, this revelation came to Simon Peter that the, the conclusion he wasn't. A reincarnation of an Old Testament Jewish prophet. He wasn't a good moral teacher. He wasn't a a social activist or just a good guy with a big heart. But the people that knew him best said, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. C.S. Lewis who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia um, and um, when he was at university, actually uh, around that time, was was an atheist and actually came to become a Christian. And in C.S. Lewis's mind, this is the conclusion that he came to, based on his study of Jesus, the study of what the Bible said about him. C.S. Lewis says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying, or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Now that came after a time of reflection, of study, of of exploration from C.S. Lewis about the claims Jesus made about his life that we read about in the Bible. And it's interesting, it's really interesting that Jesus himself didn't ask that question to the disciples, who do you say I am? He didn't ask that question as soon as he met them. As soon as he met them fishing and called them to follow him. He didn't say, who do you say I am? Because they would probably turn around and say, well, you're... Mary and Joseph's boy, you're, you're the carpenter's apprentice. It was after a period of them walking with him, getting to know who he really is, who Jesus was, that then he chose that time to ask, Who do you say I am? And just like for our own human relationships, it takes time to get to know someone, it takes a commitment. On our side, to invest that time to explore you know, the behaviour of someone or who, what, they, what makes them tick or what they're like or you know, the, the, the things they say and do they back it up with, with, with their actions. It takes time to explore that and understand that of a person. And it's the same with Jesus. Being open to spend some time exploring the things he says about himself, exploring his life and the, um, the things that he said and the claims that he made, just to take that time to understand and come to our own conclusion. What's, and lastly, what's also very interesting is Jesus' response to Simon Peter so we can, we can see that the following verses. So Jesus, this is Jesus' Jesus's reply. Simon Peter has just said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this is Jesus' reply. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What Jesus basically is replying is saying, Simon Peter, you have told me who I am. Now let me tell you who you are. And for Simon Peter, it was actually quite dramatic. It was a whole name change. He may have even liked the name Simon, and be a bit, you know, he's kind of just told. Well, actually, your name's going to be Peter now. It was quite dramatic, and it was going to illustrate the sort of character and role that Peter was going to have in his life going forward, of being a rock uh, for the early church. And it was quite dramatic. I don't think we're doing. I think I don't think we're ch- we're looking to change Paddy's name, are we? For you know, from this, I think we're I think we're keeping. Keeping that name. But when we affirm and declare who Jesus is, we get a new identity. We get a new identity. And we can, we can wrap our identity and who we are as a person in many different things. We can wrap it up in our family, our position in our family as a, a good mum, a good dad, a good brother, a good sister. And that, that really is the core of our identity. We can wrap it up and, and stick it into our job, you know, our our job title, what we do with our life. We can, we can put our identity solely in our standing in a in the in the, in the community or in an, in an online community. But when we declare Jesus as Messiah and the Son, Son of God and as Lord and Saviour, Jesus' response is, I want to tell you who you are. I want to show you your identity. Because the Bible talks about when we go through, when we go through this and accepting Jesus as Lord and Saviour, we're no longer slaves to sin but sons and daughters of righteousness. And we don't have to accept the lies that we've told ourselves or have been said to us that we are not going to amount to much. We have to just accept our present situation, our life as it is, who I am as a person, is not going to change. This is the best that it's going to get. And I better just accept it. I want to tell you that you have a a Lord and Saviour in Jesus Christ who wants to show you how he sees you. He wants to show you and unveil to you the plans that he has for you. He wants to do away with those lies that may have torn you down and you feel you just have to accept and replace them with truth that you are a child of the living God. And his desire is for you to have life abundantly, to have life to its fullest and to walk in freedom. And to see yourself just in the mirror, the way that he sees you.